you're in the tech community, few things are as bad or as good as getting a little too comfortable or a little too profitable and efficient. Because when that happens, bam, the world will pass you by. Hi, this is Tamara Carlton and David Allen Greer for How We Manage Stuff. We're starting a new series on the benefits of complacency. You mean the drawbacks. That too, from our Pacific Northwest offices in downtown Seattle. Before we start the series, we probably should explain that How We Manage Stuff maintains a network of offices in the major tech centers around the world so that we can follow the trends in technology and organization. And not get trapped in a narrow point of view. So now we have moved to our downtown Seattle studios, which are actually located on the ship canal at a houseboat. They really call these things houseboats? Yeah. It's just really a cabin on a barge. But they call them houseboats. Okay. But this is so Meg Ryan in the 90s. But that's actually an important point. What? The old movie Sleepless in Seattle? Mm-hmm. It came out in 1993, which is about the time Seattle was really becoming a tech center. Through much of the 1980s, it had no tech. Microsoft had a couple of small office buildings at the end of the floating bridge. There was no Amazon, no other big tech firms. Aircraft and lumber were the dominant industries. Grunge was still popular, and the whole city would stop dead for a sunny day. It's not that way now. Have you seen Portlandia? No, it's not. It's clearly. Sorry, we need to come through. We've got the property manager with us. He's showing us the details of the ship. Well, building. Sure, we've not really started. Oh, you made the right choice putting your offices here. This is a wonderful room, wonderful. It has wonderful acoustics, and you'll just love the wonderful view. View? We're staring at the side of a ship. I don't... Oh, that is why we have the Periscope. Bill installed it when he rented the place in the aughts. Such a lovely man. Bill? Bill. Bill. Oh, that Bill. Though he is the nicest man, Bill. Bill. Periscope? It's there, in the corner. It gives you the most interesting perspective especially of the apartments across the water. <laughs> Here's the instruction manual. And could you initial the lease agreement to indicate that you've been trained properly on it? But we've not been trained. But you have the manual. Sign here, please. And here are the keys to the basement elevator. Basement? Aren't we on a houseboat? Well, it's more of a wine cellar, really. A bit damp. A few of your neighbors do try to rent them to college students. Hmm. But they never learn. Uh, the students. Not following. No. The neighbors. Housing authority catches them every time. The fine is something awful. That's what drove Mariah out. Now, could you just initial... Mariah? She was actually on a different dock. Just initial the line that says that you have been trained on the basement safety system. What do you mean trained? I told you that you had been trained. And so you have been. Just initial right there. Mariah had the same kind of system and never had an ounce of trouble with it, not an ounce. Her dock was a bit farther south and on the sunny side of the canal, but she was a regular in the neighborhood and just a wonderful person. But we haven't been trained. And finally, there is the dock-tenant agreement. You have to initial here and sign here and here and here and here and finally here. Dated here in Julian, not Gregorian. Don't worry about that field for the hour and minute. I can complete that I should read this first. Perhaps. 
but it won't make any difference, as you will see, that how we manage stuff accepted these terms the moment that first of its employees crossed the city limits. <laughs> Broke the seal, if you get the reference. Seal. Ruthie wrote it before she was on the court. The dearest person. Dearest. Mm, miss her at the Tuesday coffee clatch. You'll enjoy them. The most fun. They can last all morning and drift into the afternoon. The best way to spend the day in Seattle. And the best people, mm, just date here. And remember, Julian, not Gregorian. Just give me a break. Let me read it and see what we're accepting. Ah, no. What you have accepted. Sure. What we have accepted. It's nothing at all. You're just saying that you will do nothing to the house, dock, garden, driveway, internet connection, or the water under all of them without the complete unanimous approval of everyone who is currently living in the community, everyone ever has, and everyone can ever we, Can we go to my office and finish the paperwork there? Of course. And I've brought you a little housewarming gift, a little coffee from Howie, of course. Oh, thank you. Or him. That is always welcome. And of course... Our native specialty. Um, well, a fish? Maybe a salmon. And it seems to be alive. Uh, okay. Maybe we should put him in the basement. Well, it is a female. And you should probably check the agreement. Upstairs. And they are off. For now. We hope. In this series... We're going to look at strategies that have supported innovative organizations. And we're going to draw from two projects that you and I have done. The first is your study of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, the agency that brought us the Internet. Among other things, including GPS, ultrasound, and aircraft stealth technology. And the second is the work behind your book, The Company We Keep which looked at the young generation of technical leaders. But we'll begin to look at your work, as it provides the clearest statement of what we're attempting to accomplish. You have a list of four points. Four lessons. First, you need a vision. Second, you need to refine that vision through iteration and interaction. Third, you need to learn the skills to build and articulate your vision through socialization. Rather than through academic learning. That's true in the broad sense. You really gain these skills through interacting with others, assimilating their goals, their aspirations, their methods. We're talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. And finally, innovative organizations learn how to take actions that are approved by only a minority of the group. Which is a tough thing to do. In day-to-day -day operations, we generally accept the notion that the best strategy is determined by a majority of the stakeholders which will lead us to a discussion of why consensus decision-making is trouble. Oh, consensus decisions can be serious trouble, even though they seem so warm and accommodating. You want to do it now? The discussion on consensus? Yes. Sure. Why not? Ah, not good enough. That's a consensus answer. Hey, you caught me. Yes or no? Yes. Now, we're going to have to explain. Technically, consensus is a method of making agreement by the lack of objection. No one objects to the idea enough to stop it, hmm, which is not the best way of expressing it. Unanimity is when everyone votes for the idea. Consensus is when no one votes against it. 
It's the least disagreeable solution. Which actually sounds quite good. Everyone is happy. They're all in agreement. No discord, no argument. Which means that the decision may be the second choice for everyone. No one really wants it, but everyone can accept it. In the it. best of circumstances, it can be the optimal decision for the group. And in the worst, it can be what's called a Nash equilibrium. Named after the famous game theorist, John Nash. Yes. It's a solution that seems to be optimal, but is not. Everyone could improve their position if they cooperated. But when everyone works independently, when no one talks, no one individual can improve the outcome for themselves or for the group. Classic example is the prisoner's dilemma. Two prisoners charged with a murder, kept in isolation. And they're presented with a choice. Confess to the murder or keep quiet. If they both keep quiet, they will be released because there's no evidence against them. But if they don't talk to each other, and this is actually a key point, they start being bothered by doubt and inevitably both confess. Because they both get concerned, the other one will confess and implicate them. Yes. And because of that, they will get a longer sentence than they would if they'd kept silent. Both prisoners take a mediocre, a less than optimum outcome. They are prisoners, I'd like to point out. Innocent until proven guilty. They take a mediocre outcome because they fear that they will get a worse solution if the other talks and they don't say anything. But if they could communicate with each other, they could avoid confessing, keep their mouth shut, and get a better outcome. They are prisoners, though. Innocent until... But we all are prisoners. Okay, that's an exaggeration. We live a bit of a confined life when we are in an organization. We don't have the information we need. We don't always have the freedom to act. And so... In decision-making, we often surrender to consensus. Consensus is the easy way out. Visionary solutions require work. They require communications and usually some sacrifice. And to get your work, the ideas from company we keep into this framework, let's add two more things. Yes, two. The first is affective learning. That is affective with an A rather than effective with an E. Yes. You know, we actually had a lot of trouble with that distinction in the IEEE. A group of researchers proposed to create a new journal called Affective Computing. Affective with an A. And people kept objecting to it because they believed all computing should be effective with an E. Yes, and didn't realize that affective computing with an A deals with affect, with emotion, and that affective computing with an A is technology that deals with emotions and emotional learning. And so we argue that most of the problem of learning to be visionary is affective learning. Affective with an A. Meaning that it's expanding the emotional intelligence of individuals, learning how to understand others, express the right ideas in return. We will have an interesting discussion over that point. My second interest is in iteration and interaction. Walter P. Schuhart. We've discussed him in earlier episodes. Yes, we have. He's Rohit's favorite. Schuhart was an early 20th century engineer whose work formed the basis for quality control a field that uses iteration and interaction in a very disciplined scientific way. To test our hypotheses about how things are working rather than merely follow whatever data we get with each iteration. Exactly. It is too easy to use iteration and interaction to reinforce our predispositions rather than really challenge them. We see the data change, and we think it's right to follow the data with our old ideas and assumptions. Rather than actually questioning what is happening of underneath. Course. Something wrong? Rohit and Anna were supposed to bring some material to finish the podcast. It's not there. No. They're still unloading stuff. And we've spoken enough for today. 
we can bring this episode to a close. Though I do think I hear them outside. There's a step here. Thanks, I see it. And another here. Got it. I wonder how David and Tamara got this... Houseboat. Houseboat? I mean, it's not much of a boat, really. It isn't. Well, yeah, but that is what they call it. Do you uh, have hold of the box? Yes. Because there is a big step here. Ah, oh, look. What? Where? What's wrong? There are slugs on the dock. So? Have you ever seen one? Probably. Probably, yes. Don't they? Wouldn't they, well, bother you? Rohit. Rohit. Uh, yes? Are you suggesting that I should be, uh... uh frightened? Squeamish? Uh, no, well, uh, you, well, you, yes. Rohit. Yes? Rohit. Uh... Rohit, women live much closer to biology than men. <laughs> Well, breastfeeding, baby puke, dog poop, my sister's goldfish floating belly up in the bowl. Uh, uh, and not to mention the kitten that our neighbor's dog killed and left in the driveway. Ew. Do you think that my dad cleaned up that mess? Do you? Uh, no. And, like, what's the biggest mess you've cleaned? Oh, uh, well, okay. There, there were these, like, the, the dusty, d- dusty data lines. Beyond the rat's nest of cables in the telephone room. Well, that! Right. My point. My point. Nothing living. So why do you think that I should be, uh, frightened about a couple little, uh, what kind of animal is a slug? Gastropod mollocks. Pick up your boxes, you two. We've got to get the office ready. Um, sure. What makes you think that a woman should be bothered by a couple little gastropod molluscuses? Uh, well. Because I'm not. Want to see me eat one? Rohit. Want to see me eat one? Because I will. Rohit. I will. Rohit. Rohit, if you ever want to do anything else with your mouth, in this life or the next, like, say, kiss a woman on the lips, you will put that slug down now, right now, and pick up your box. Why? You will. Are you squeamish? Rohit, that slug had a mother. A mother who loved and nurtured it. It did. And that mother taught it to find its way in the world and to know what was good and what was bad and how to be the best slug it could possibly be. Possibly be. I'm not going to dismiss her work. I'm not. I'm not going to disrespect what she did. I'm not going to dishonor the accomplishment of her brief life as a mother gastropod molluscuses. I'm not. It's what women owe to females of uh, every species. Well. It uh, is. You know, slugs can be both male and female. Doesn't matter. And at the same Doesn't time. Doesn't matter. It's the best solution for it. It's the best for you. It's the best for me. And it is the best for <sighs> okay. all of us. You just gotta see the big picture. Even if that picture has bi slugs. Are the two of you gonna bring that box in here or not? Vision. Refinement. Learning through socialization. And small group decisions. These are the themes for this series. In Seattle, for how we manage stuff. Take care. Subscribe to How We Manage Stuff through iTunes or Google Play or our website, http colon backslash backslash howwemanagestuff.com or Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever fine podcasts are sold. This is episode 16405 and is copyright 2016 by Jaggy LLC, all rights reserved.